You're listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Eaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Hi, folks. Thanks for connecting to the podcast. My guest for this episode is someone who I consider to be a bit of a legend. If there is such thing as rock stars in the woodboat community, I consider Nat Benjamin and his business partner, Ross Gannon, to be in the Hall of Fame. Before I get too far in, I want to say a special thanks to Dennis and Allie. Dennis and Allie featured in episode 17 titled Mr. Badger and Company, which details their acquisition of a 41-foot Concordia yawl. If you enjoy wood boats and great sea stories, check out that episode. It was Dennis who was kind enough to put me in touch with Captain Nat Benjamin of the Gannon and Benjamin Marine Railway on Martha's Vineyard. I appreciate that Nat was able to take some time on a Friday afternoon in October to talk to my wife and I in the shop. A note about that. At one point, my wife Sarah asked a great question, only to be quickly distracted by a giant fluffy dog that joined us for the interview. You may hear that interaction near the beginning. A visit to the Gannon and Benjamin Marine Railway is a step back in time. It's a place where classic wood boats are restored, repaired, and built new using nothing but traditional materials and methods. The people who work there have a special appreciation for craftsmanship. In a world where material things are designed on computers, assembled by robots, or punched out of a mold with little human contact, it's refreshing to visit a place where beautiful wood boats are crafted by hand from design to launch. Nat Benjamin, along with his partner Ross Gannon, and a talented crew have built over 70 boats, mostly of his design, and repaired and rebuilt many others. While he is self-taught, He's also quick to give credit and show appreciation to those who have served as mentors, notably the two late greats, Joel White and Olin Stevens. Nat's character and strong work ethic extend well beyond his shop. He and his wife, Pam, have done extensive charitable work on Eliavash off the coast of Haiti. Through Pam's 501c3 nonprofit, Sense of Wonder Creations, and other partner charities, they have tackled many projects from a solar-powered water pump station to a community garden school supplies, teacher funding, and computer and music programs. This is on top of the many supplies which they have ferried to the island aboard their schooner Charlotte. Nat is also planning on assisting them to build their own marine railway so that it's easier for the local fishing fleet to haul and make repairs. The Gannon and Benjamin Marine Railway has featured prominently in magazines such as Classic Boat, Cruising World, Wooden Boat, Sail, Men's Journal, Soundings, and Architectural Digest. They have been featured in print news stories from the Vineyard Gazette and Cape Cod Times to the Boston Globe and Wall Street Journal. There's a DVD titled Charlotte, A Wooden Boat Story, which documents the construction of Nat's 50-foot schooner and is well worth a watch. The book Schooner by Allison Shaw and Tom Dunlop is a spectacular visual journey and detailed narrative of the construction of the 65-foot schooner Rebecca at their yard. If you are inspired by any of this and feel the desire to explore more, I can highly recommend the book Wooden Boats in Pursuit of the Perfect Craft at an American Boatyard by Michael Ruhlman. And finally, their website, gannonandbenjamin.com, offers a beautiful display of all of their projects, brokerage listings, history, and stories. I hope you enjoy. Nat, thank you for joining me. Um, How did you settle on Vineyard Haven? How did you wind up here? Well, we we sailed here. We had been traveling around for several years, and uh, 
we uh, we had been in Martinique for the year for a year before here in 1971, and we came up here to first we came to Newport, where we had some friends, <clears throat> and then we uh, sailed over to Martha's Vineyard to check it out, and sailed right up into Vineyard Haven. And my wife said, "Boy, this looks nice. Maybe we should uh, stay for a while." Mm. <laughs> so the the anchor held. All right, and you've been here ever since. Yeah. yeah. How did you decide to set up a traditional wood boat building operation? Well, Ross Cannon and I got together. We met here and, and we were both very interested in in sailing. And uh, we each owned old wooden boats and we needed a place to work on them. And we had seen boat yards in various parts of the world where uh, marine railways were were used and they were simple and effective and inexpensive to put together. So we, uh, well, that was our dream if we could try to do that here. And we, we found this piece of property and we've been renting it ever since. I see you rent, you rent where you are now. Yes. Curious about okay. the, the property. What year was it that you started the business here? Uh, we started the boatyard in 1980. Okay. So tourism would have been fairly important on the island at that point. How easy was it to secure a piece of property like this on the waterfront at that time? Well, it was interesting. Um, Ross and I looked, first looked at the property in, I think, 1978, and it was on the market. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to the owner, a guy named Strock, family named Strock, and said, you know, we'd really like to get this property and start a little boatyard. What was it before? It was just... Pretty much abandoned right. storage sheds, and mm -hmm. junk around here. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and Mr. Strock said, "Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, boys, but uh, we just signed a purchase and sale agreement with McDonald's hamburgers, and the Golden Arches is going to mm -hmm. be going up here." And we thought, "Oh dear." And when that word got out, the island went apoplectic. Yeah, I imagine it was just uh, outrage. So it took. Quite a long time, over a year, to drive them out, you know, mm. through just a lot of really bad PR. But eventually, they were driven out. And after they left, uh, our friend Donald DeSorcy bought the property, and he's we've been renting the property from the DeSorcy family ever since. Mm -hmm. And is that <laughs> going to continue? Or I didn't well, hear that the, the property was up for sale. It's continuing now. We're we're hoping to buy the property. Oh, okay. And we're putting together a group of interested investors who like what we do here and want mm -hmm. to preserve the waterfront and keep this activity going. And we've got some good people lined up and uh, we're negotiating with the family Oh, now. that's fantastic. How much of the property is in this parcel? Is it just yours or is no, it the, the it's, surrounding? No, it goes from here all the way to the Vineyard Haven Marina. It's a little oh, over Oh, okay. Acre, so, so it's quite a big parcel. It's a nice parcel. piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple of hundred feet on the water. Nice. Okay. I think it should possibly be considered for the National Register for Historic Places <laughs> down well, the road. That would be nice. Yeah, we would be happy to do that. And the community is supportive of. I've seen videos of the launchings on online, and it looks like there's quite a turnout. Yeah, the the, the community is very supportive of what we do, and and uh, and they do come to many of our launchings and they, they can be pretty good parties. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad. Hey. Hey. Hello. 
Oh, why you? How much of your work would you say is refits or, or repair versus new construction? Uh, it, it's balanced out probably 50-50 over mm. the years. Some years it's, you know, weighted on one side or the other, but I would say it's about 50-50 new construction and, and restoration or repair. A lot of your early clientele were fellow boat owners that were doing their own work and you would help them out or they would come to you for the more difficult projects. Is that correct? Yeah, we still do that. People can work on their own boats when they're hauled out on the railway. There's mm -hmm. a young man out here now working on his boat, uh, getting ready to go to the Caribbean. And right. uh, so we encourage that. And then if they need help from us, we're here and, and we can help them out. Now, You've designed and built it was over seventy vessels. Yes, and most of those are your designs. Is yes. that correct? And are you self-taught in that field? Yeah, pretty much. I had some very good mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, Joel White being one, uh, very encouraging and always, uh, you know, sort of guiding me along. And and uh, I got to know Olin Stevens the last decade of his life, and he was also a great mentor and. Lots of encouragement from him. So, and and I look, I look at the work of the, you know, the great masters, John Alden and Philip Rhodes and Matt Arishoff and Albert Strange. You know, the, these these great designers and uh, try and glean what I can from their work as well. And you design all by hand on paper. Is I do. Correct? Yes. Yeah. No computers. And no, I use a calculator for working out displacement and things like that, but uh, it's all hand drawing. And the lofting process, as I understand from what little I've read, is very time consuming. Is that correct? There's a lot of... Uh, uh, well, not terribly. You, you're basically taking the drawings and then drawing that, drawing them full size on the floor. Mm -hmm. So to, to loft a 40-foot boat, you know, it's a... By the time you get everything lofted, it's a couple of weeks work because mm -hmm. you want to loft. Once you get the lines down, then you draw in the construction parts. Mm -hmm. the, the timbers, you draw them right on the floor. Then you can pick up your bevels and get you all your dimensions and start making pieces. Uh, so it's it's time consuming, but it's it pays off in the long run because you can start making all different parts of the boat. Right. I was in researching this, looking at all the different materials that you use, and they're all traditional materials. But one thing that sort of jumped out at me was the choice of the wood silver bally. I've not been familiar with that before. Everything's always teak, teak. And that yeah. is that a more sustainable material? It is. We don't, we, we use very little teak. If it's a, a high budget boat, we'll do a teak deck. But <clears throat> most of our hulls are built with uh, tropical hardwoods from South America, from mm -hmm. Suriname, which is one of the few countries that have really sound ecological practices with their logging. They, don't, they do no clear cutting. It's all selectively cut. Mm -hmm. Very well managed. So we buy Angelique and Juana, Silver Bali, uh, Red Locust, uh, woods like that from mm. from South America, and they're very long lasting, and and we they're available in long lengths, yeah. big timbers. So we, we, that's where we go to get them. How do, oh, I was going to say uh, the sustainability and uh, 
ecological side of have always been important to you in the business? Yes, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we would not buy from a country that has poor ecological practices and mm-hmm. is not sustainable. How, do you go, go down and hand select it or is it? Uh, we don't anymore. We used to have a good friend, a guy named Brad Ives, who would go down there and, and hand select it and oversee the milling mm. and then put it on a, a vessel. He, uh, We had a friend with a 110-foot steel cargo schooner and they would load it up there right. and sail right to Vineyard Haven. So oh, that's convenient. That was really nice. Unfortunately, that's no longer around, so we it comes by container now, mm-hmm. which is not nearly as good, but we do get it eventually. It happened. I was researching about the difference between steam bent and double sawn assembly processes, and I noticed you use sort of a hybrid in, in, of that in some instances. Uh, sometimes we do. <clears throat> um, Steam bend is common for the smaller boats, mm-hmm. exclusively steam bent frames, like the one we're building outside the little day sailor here. And then when we get to the larger boats, you really the frames are too big to bend, right? So you have to saw them. So they they can be either single sawn or double sawn, mm. but. Um, yeah, they're made out of several pieces called futtocks, and they're sawn out and pinned together, either bolted with bronze bolts or pinned with uh, locust trunnels. In your boat, Charlotte, the um, she's 50 feet. Yeah. Did, did you get inspiration from that, from having built Rebecca, or was it something you already had as a design that you wanted to do? Well, she came she, much later. Yeah, Charlotte, we built for really for our family, and it's something that my wife and I had talked about for many years. And um, she's quite different from anything else we've done, but. Uh, She's sort of a work workboat style, uh, husky, comfortable, simple, very mm-hmm. traditional, old-fashioned type of boat that doesn't require much uh, technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess there there are a couple of big events here. You had a fire early days on, and again, your com- the community supported you and helped you get back on your feet. They did. Yeah, we had a devastating fire in 1989. The whole place burned to the ground mm. and several boats that were hauled as well. And the community just rallied behind us and supported us, and they continue to. So mm. we we... You know, it really connected us to the community, and we realized that we were loved and that uh, the community wanted us to stay, and we became closer connected to it. Is it that they recognize the importance of a working waterfront? Because there's a lot of, we don't have that in Newport anymore. It's going away Yeah, rapidly. Well, this town has been committed to protecting the working waterfront, mm. and uh there's quite a lot here, and we want to keep it going. And the town, so far, has been uh, very supportive of that. I just really remembered going back to community support after your fire. There was recently in Rhode Island in Wickford a really bad oh, fire at the Dominic's. Wickford. Yes, and yes. I have a friend who's friends with Dominic, and uh, he works at URI. But 
every day uh, he's been going over and helping they're sifting through looking mm-hmm. for tools whatever they can and I, and again it, it's that same feeling over there that the community wants to help them get back going again oh i hope they do because I, I know what he's going through my heart goes out to them that's a terrible thing and uh, but it'll make them stronger in the in the long run mm. hey. In addition to all the work that goes on here, you also operate the the launch service. Yes, yeah, we yeah. we do have a launch service. Yeah, that's uh, as yeah. well as a brokerage of, of boats that you have for sale. Yeah, on our website we have a brokerage page, um, so we have a few things going on. You well, again on your website. There's a, a bit about Haiti. And it's a place that you've sailed many times and you always seem to bring supplies and you do humanitarian work there, um, including musical instruments that jumped out at me. Yeah. How did that all come about? Well, um, we've been sailing to the Caribbean for many years, really, since the 70s. And uh, we've owned a couple of charter boats and used to take them down and do charter work, mostly in the Windward Islands. Mm-hmm. You know, from Antigua down to Grenada, and, and um, we're uh, we got interested in other places. So Haiti and Cuba have been really what we feel are the last two frontiers in the Caribbean. Mm. And um, so my first trip to Haiti, I went with my friend Ted Oki, who was uh, he had been there, and and we just fell in love with the place, and we've been going ever since and that was so that first trip was in 2011 right mm-hmm. after the earthquake and we go not always with a boat but we've taken the boat a number of times and we go to a little island off the southwest coast called Ila Vash, mm-hmm. which is a very beautiful place and we bring them supplies for both the orphanage we bring them lots of uh used sails and rigging for the boat builders and the, mm-hmm. and the fishermen uh and my wife has started a couple of projects at the local community center a music a music uh department as well as an art and uh an art <clears throat> um art classes for the kids because they have nothing and we've also started a community garden, which has been very oh, wow. successful. Yeah, it, uh, we somehow got involved with helping. Uh, we bought part of a house for somebody, <laughs> along with another couple. Yeah, there's uh, an organization called um, Haitian Health Foundation that was started uh-huh. by in Rhode Island, the mm. doctor who visited, and um, he, I think he set up a clinic in. Is it Jeremy? One of the yeah. Major Jeremy, yeah. There, yeah, that's on the Grand Ass. Yeah. yeah, and um, <coughs> a friend of mine raises a lot of money from. She has a business that <clears throat> does uh, birthday parties for kids, oh. and a lot of the children that have their parties with her will say they don't want um, presents for themselves, but all their friends should bring a donation. Mm. And they, with the money they raise, they buy a house. When, when you say a house, it's like a shack, but the yeah. people who don't have them are living in real terrible conditions but these mm-hmm. are a clean house with it i think i've got a corrugated roof of mm-hmm. some kind and mm-hmm. and some kind of sanitation and it costs about six hundred dollars i think to build one of these houses it's yeah. nothing and um oh and they also buy goats as well so wow. that they can use the goat for milk income mm-hmm. meat mm-hmm. whatever you know mm-hmm. and, and did i also read that you were 
almost coming full circle for when you had a railway, founded a railway here, you scouted location for a railway to help those folks haul their own fishing boats. Yeah, and that's something we do want to do. Um, it's not going to happen this year. There's tremendous turmoil and trouble going on right now in Haiti, but um, we're hoping it'll settle down and and when it does, we'll, we want to do a little project like that and get mm. a slipway for them. Right. But as you say, a, a little bit of effort goes a long way in Haiti, and mm. it doesn't take a lot to make it a big difference. And the work here continues to roll in on a regular basis. Yeah, we've been busy right on through uh, some years more than others, but we've never been out of work. And uh, this winter is looking good. Um, so we, we hope it continues. Okay. I was impressed from a character standpoint when the Rebecca project was on hiatus for a period of time. You you really looked after your folks that were working for you. They found work mm -hmm. elsewhere and, and then they were welcomed back. Um, and that's do you find that you attract good people here? We get great people coming here from all over the world. Um, people from Denmark and Norway and Germany and England and France. And and of lots of Americans, Canadians. Um, we've had Kiwis and Aussies uh -huh. and uh, <laughs> Chinese. Yeah, but all people, interested in working, all interested in what we're doing. And you know, some stay for years, some stay for just a short while. But uh, it seems to be a magnet for for that kind of activity. Are, are these people that? identified with the craft where they were from or did they, did they come from a school like Iris or something like that? Some some come from schools. Uh, we've had Iris students come and we've had uh, uh, students from Denmark and Norway come who have gone through the apprentice programs there and mm -hmm. and uh, as well as from other boat building schools in, the, in Maine and wow. the West Coast. The shop certainly has a real nice vibe to it. Mm -hmm. it it's warm yeah it's a good place it's a nice place to work and i noticed that some of your equipment must be well looked after because it's very old it is old and a lot of it is uh, you know it's pretty indestructible these old tools so mm. it, they take a lot of abuse and we try and keep them oiled up and sharp but uh, they don't need they don't need much maintenance they just like to be used my grandfather was a, was a welder by trade, but he was a blacksmith, hobbyist. Oh, and yeah. that really took over at the end of his life to the point where he collected so many anvils. And his blacksmith shop was sort of like this for the blacksmiths. And uh, when he passed, we did the right thing and we had... Um, a sale and it was advertised through the New England Blacksmiths Association mm -hmm. and people came from all over to, to buy, you know, he would anvils from the turn of the century. Yeah. And it, it, all his tools, his talk, it was very valuable and people, people came from far and wide and appreciated it and also commented that they were, were upset at him for always getting the tools before they, they yeah, did. Well. <laughs> yeah, nobody could ever buy an anvil, could that good no. in every auction. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. They went, they went to to good homes and got to be used. For someone that comes here to, to work for you or apprentice, are they advised to bring their own tools? Is there a set of, of, of tools that every shipwright should have? Well, if they come as a shipwright, certainly they have their own tools. Right. If they come as an intern or an, as an apprentice, then they're going <clears> to <throat> acquire tools on the job. Right. Do, do you have any um, 
children that have an interest in working here or do they work? Here? Um, well, my ki- I have two daughters and they're both good sailors and they love the boatyard. They don't work here, but Ross's son, uh, Lyle, works here. Okay. And he's very capable shipwright and mechanic and uh, just a wonderful person. So, and uh, we have another partner, Brad Abbott, mm-hmm. and his son, is showing a lot of interest in uh, so there's there's a lot of good energy here. oh there's a lot of good energy and we've got young people coming up through the ranks that are very skilled and we're, we're hoping that they're gonna carry the carry the ball here. so when you sail carry the torch when you sail down to the islands or Haiti you, you feel like you've left it in capable hands oh absolutely yeah oh yeah no it's not a problem whatsoever great <laughs> well thank you again for your time I appreciate oh, it oh my pleasure great to meet you thanks great to meet you great thank you for listening to standing before the mass podcast with chris heaton sponsored by newport nautical supply please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts